I myself, the producer of this podcast, is not eligible to diagnose anyone with a mental health disorder. This podcast is purely for artists discussing the mental health hurdles they struggle with on a daily basis. Enjoy. Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Where Is My Mind, a podcast about mental health in the arts. And today I um, have the pleasure of, I guess, interviewing or talking with, um, I would say, an old old friend. We, we, we stay in touch through Instagram. Um, I spoke with, you know, I, I met her through another friend of mine um, at college. We were, you know, my our, our mutual friend Keegan and Fuso, we, we loved film. And then she was like, well, one of my one of my good friends is a musician and you were in like, I don't know, I feel like you were in like three or four different different bands and you were doing shows like <laughs> like it seemed like every damn night. And I got to kind of like see you work in the studio and, and just talk with you. And 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 and, and now and I really, really enjoyed your company. Um, I have I would say just overall artist, musician Paige McMullen. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for that. Very. No problem. No problem. Um, in case this is your guys, you know, the listeners first episode, um, I just want to kind of break it down for you. I do this with most episodes. Um, I, you know, have posted things on social media about, you know, I'm looking for guests to come on my podcast and talk about mental health and the arts page reached out and was like, I think, you know, once again, our guests pick the topics we talk about and, Paige came up to me and she said like, oh, I think, you know, having, you know, these two specific topics would be great. And the first topic we're going to be talking about is uh, being queer in the art world um, and maybe some of the mental health hurdles. Uh, I hate struggles, but hurdles you had to maybe overcome and you're still overcoming now. Um, But yeah, I remember, um, you know, I'll, I'll be very blunt and honest with you before I moved to Florida. I moved there in 2009. I was like 22 years old. I was very new to a lot of things. And I guess just being a part of a lot of being around a lot of people who weren't like me, right? Like, well, straight for one, um, you know, a lot of different ethnicities around in Jacksonville or like where I went to school. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was a culture shock because I felt like my mom, my parents did try doing the best they could have, you know, be, having an open-minded like mentality, like growing up around the house and all that. But still, that doesn't, I went to a school, a high school where there was like only like four or five black kids. You know, if you, if someone was gay or, 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 or queer or anything like that, they, no one is kind of, it was, they were hiding kind of thing. So I was very, it was a shock to me. And I don't want to say shock in a bad way. I feel like shock is always kind of a negative connotation, but it was like, it opened up my eyes. Right. You know, and a lot of people, it, it just, it opened like hanging with Keegan and hanging with, with all her friends. It was, you know, you have, you hear all these like stupid fucking, like, I guess, what would you call them? Stereotypes, right? I guess so. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess you want to call them that. I don't know, but you'd hear them and you'd be, and as a straight guy, you'd be like, you know, well, well, it's this is, oh, well, you know, if, if it's two lesbians, oh, they're going to make out and like, oh, they got to be like really, really hot and all that, like, you know, typical, like 20 year old, you know, like that's how guys think, you know, but man, and you see, like you take off all these, you know, you kind of let down a guard or something. And it's like, people make a really big deal about who loves whom, you know, like, it's like, oh it's yeah, really for a variety sick. of reasons. Yeah, 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 and it's go to high school. Was it up in New, in New Jersey? Jersey? In New Jersey, and... isn't that funny? Coming to the South and then actually experiencing more diversity. I think a lot of people write off the South as kind of like a backwards place, which definitely, like, there, there's lots of oppression happening. But I think a lot there's because so much is so heated in the south and there's constantly like a lot of contention there are these movements that are rising up and that are creating more vibrant communities that uh yeah i'm glad that you had a chance to experience that yeah i don't think i would ever want to and i'm i'm prefacing all this just to kind of give the audience of how like i met you and my my interpretation of you and my experience with you of just like, you know, you were, 
you know, you're, you're like, I don't think you're, you're more than five, one, but you're like a little firecracker. Like you are just, you're mainly like, I've seen you very like chill. Like we've smoked together. We've hung out together. <laughs> like we've had a good time together, but I've seen how you very passionate about a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's important, especially the time we're recording this with a lot of stuff going on. So how long have you been in the arts? You know, I, I feel like you do more than just music. If you want to tell the audience like what what you do, like what kind of art you're you're into and like how long you've been doing it for. Yeah, I've been so I've been a touring musician for like 10 years. Um I would say like professionally, but that's very loosely. Um prior to that though, I mean I've been writing and recording music for like 20 years. Now that I think about it cuz I'm 32. So it's been a minute and uh, yeah, I mean, throughout that, I've also written music for the theater. We worked on uh, myself and Jeremy Nix, Leo Kulishevsky, a few other people within Jacksonville worked on our friend um, Drew's uh, play, Sentences. We did some original score for that. Uh, yeah, I've also assisted on like countless film sets and like various roles. You talk about our friend Keegan. We uh, we all kind of helped with the gray area. Been in the arts doing anything that I can do for probably taking it really seriously, which is we can totally unpack what that even means. That's yeah. my own mental health, like me and my imposter syndrome. But uh. Yeah, trying to go really hard with it for like 10 years. I remember, see, you know, I've been with Keegan shooting a few of your like music videos for two of your different bands, like former bands. I don't know if they're current or former. Um, the one band, Rice, I remember. Yeah, that was my stuff? first band. We, we wow. kind of came up in the same, it was a beautiful time when we were, around that age because we were like 20 21 22 yeah and i was in my first bands y'all were starting your film careers and like yeah. we were all just learning together which yeah. I think was beautiful yeah it was it was a really good time um you know warehouse studios in jacksonville i know there was some history there i thought that was kind of being around there like i've always been and I can obviously start at any time, but I've always been like more envious of musicians because I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I feel like your craft is more like people want to see like behind the scenes of like musicians making music. Like there was a goddamn eight hour documentary of the Beatles doing it or just like. People don't, don't want to see you sitting at a computer for like 12 hours editing <laughs> <laughs> no they don't want to see that like i guess they want to see the glitz and glamour of behind the scenes of filming but like it's really not gets glitz and glamour if, to me if you're not really like an actor like maybe pre pre-production is is cool and fun but you know um as like the process of making music and i guess recording separate instruments you know and, and all that i think you know, i've saw i would see mikey kettinger and james mcmurray like record their stuff and I would see, I would mainly see you recording, you know, with your bands, you, you were very gracious enough to let us like just come and even hang out. So I felt like that process was really interesting. And that was interesting that I didn't know that Rice was your first band. You, you carried it very, like you carried like, like you've been, like you've been there. Does that make sense? Like there's times where I feel like I, you know, not even now, but like, other times I felt like I don't belong here and that can go into our second episode we're going to record um imposter syndrome but but like I said I wanted you know you you wanted to talk about like kind of the mental health struggles or hurdles you've had to face being a queer artist now um when was the first like how old were you when you came out so uh that's a great question I was 15 um which I feel like is for some people, it's very young. For other people, you know, like I knew when I was like probably eight that I was queer. You know, same as as any any other uh, person, kind of when you're you know developing crushes on yeah. other people and you're 
you're on the playground, whatever. You're like holding hands. Like I very distinctly remember being like, hmm, something is is different. That's, different. that's interesting. At eight years old, that's that's I can't remember that far back. You know, but I think if there's something really, I can't. But you need to quit smoking, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't need to tell me. I don't. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Um, you know, there's um, like for you to kind of like be aware at eight and then at 15, I think there's something like powerful in that a little bit, especially at 15, you know, or brave. Like I, I'm a queer artist. Um, I'm also like non-binary. I go by they, them and she, her. So I like in being like a young child, like I definitely, there is a certain point and then even you know if we talk about the gray area there's a certain point with children where like a androgyny or like kind of a a gender ambiguousness is allowed mm-hmm. until it hits a certain age because i think it has a lot to do with you know societal pressure if you look at clothing choices if you look at you know modern literally everything film tvs like we start kind of socializing children to be a certain way at a certain age and i i definitely knew you know when i was younger that there was like something different i was like i don't necessarily you know i'm not attracted to men i don't necessarily feel like a woman like there was a lot that i was like i'm i don't know how to feel about this yet But uh, yeah, in my own kind of journey, yeah, I came out as a lesbian when I was 15. To your parents, to a friend. That is an interesting story. Yeah, so not intentionally, for sure. Um, I was kind of outed by my parents. Uh, Yeah. And, And I kind of... I did have a tumultuous relationship with my mom. I like lived with my mom when I was younger. My parents were separated. So my dad lived in uh, South Florida. And uh, yeah, my mom, I guess, like found a note in my pocket and uh, outed me, like came to me. This is kind of traumatic, honestly. Um, and feel free trig- to share if you don't Triggering want for, no, no, I'm, I'm happy sharing it, but definitely triggering for anyone who's like had, you know, uncomfortable moments with their parents invading their privacy but uh no yeah my mom I guess like found a note something you know you're like a teenager and it was like I love my girlfriend or something yeah yeah yeah. and she lost it she freaked out she was like what is this she threw the phone at me and like made me call my dad and was like you tell your father what you are and I was like oh this is not how I expected this to go and uh, and it's funny now because, like, my mom and I, my father and I, like, we have a great relationship. Like, that was, I mean, so many queer kids, so many people of the LGBT community, once their parents find out about their identity, they are ostracized from the family or they're kicked out entirely or worse, they're abused. I mean, it's it's horrible. So... For my mom to have that reaction, it, it it was severe, but I mean, it's not even as severe as it could have been. And uh, yeah, we had a tumultuous relationship. I mean, at that point, I think I had been like out to my friends. Um, and that was, I mean, once that happened, I did get kicked out for like a brief time. Um, not, it was like, related to that and also related to a lot of things and uh uh, my mom and I like patched up our relationship and we're super close now and she's super supportive uh which is really sweet my whole family is supportive I remember when uh gay marriage was passed or it was like coming on the ballot my grandparents who are from the south from Tennessee very Christian but like my whole family's interesting in that they're like not 
really practicing Christian. Like they are, but they're, they just say stuff. Like they yeah. just say stuff and say that Jesus said it. And I'm like, that's not okay. <laughs> you know not, what I mean? Not accurate. They just make up their own like Southernisms and they're like, that's what Jesus did. I'm like, that's not okay. Um, but yeah, my grandparents were like, we voted for, I just want to let you know that we voted for, for gay marriage, for gay people to get married. And I was like, oh, thank you. And they were like, yeah. Did that make you feel good? Or were you like. It really did. Because I kind of, I mean, being in the South, like I had a close relationship with my family and it was important to me. So I wanted to keep a relationship and I wasn't sure how it would look. I wasn't sure if, you know, it would be that thing where like I was accepted but like we didn't really talk about it and and there's just so many variations of you know anytime you're part of the lgbt community like yeah there's people have their opinions for religious reasons and and so many reasons that have nothing to do with you and your own identity and you kind of have to navigate that and tiptoe around it so i was glad that at least with my family, there is definitely support now. That's great. Now it's, you know, I have a lot I want to like kind of just say and, and unpack and, and ask because it's, I mean, like I'm 34 years old and I don't know. I, it, it never, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say anything stupid or sound dumb, but like, hanging like you know meeting keegan and like seeing how people would call her a guy and like she'd laugh at my reactions to it because i'm like they're they they have to know you're like you're a girl they're just being an asshole and like keegan's like this has been my entire life like there's really no she, when she said to me like seriously she was joking well, not joking she was laughing but she was also very serious like chris there's really like no need for you to get upset because like this is never going to change and i was like damn uh, you know i was like kind of like okay and then you know just kind of walking with her or being around a, a bunch of her friends and just seeing the faces people make it's just i don't know it's just weird and i don't want to i don't want to chalk it up to like oh well, it was 20 no you know it was 2010 or it was you know it was not as accepted as it is now but like i still feel like i don't know Maybe this is a there. There has been a lot of uh, forward movement, I would say, um, in terms of the art scene, in terms yeah. of acceptance of you know people of the LGBT community within kind of a more mainstream creative society. But it's still an issue. Oh yeah, it's yeah. I think it's. I think it's going to be for like Lil Nas X who are like the top of the charts right now and are so openly queer. Like he's still getting death threats. Like it's, it, you know, people also say too. like someone, I saw some bullshit online that someone said like, well, he's just like, he's pretending to be gay or something like that. Like he's, it's all for show. It's all for that. It's like, it's because it's like, what is it? Trendy now. What, but like, what would, but why would you pretend to be something that you hated for that? And now, and now that we're like, okay, fine, we're gay. Everyone's like, you're just doing that you know to what? be like, you know what, Paige? Yeah, you know what? So am I. So it's like people are like, you know what? You know, yeah, you know what? By the way, I think I'm gay too. It's like, you know, it's like, okay. Um, I think uh, it's so funny you talk about that because I do think the because queer, like when we talk about queer representation in media or like in music or anything there hasn't been much and like i shouldn't say that because there has been a lot but it's been suppressed and it's been considered niche like a niche market have you heard of the movie dog day afternoon or of the story of that movie tell me okay so my it happened back in 1972 my dad was in the fbi he he was his his task force was on this specific job it's a movie with john um the fredo, fredo from godfather and al pacino and al pacino is the main character and he's he robs a bank in brooklyn and you kind of don't find out until the second act that he's robbing it 
so him and his boyfriend can run away together and the boyfriend can have a sex change. Like, that's a movie that was made in 1975. That got with fucking, Al Pacino. That got greenlit with Al Pacino. That got greenlit with Al Pacino. And my dad said it happened in like 1968 or 69. And this was a real story. And my wife got me into Shit's Creek. I was like, what's it about? I'm not sure what it is. And I really didn't know personally that that character was the first kind of non-binary character on TV. When that, when that care, when that TV show just started in 2016. So that puts some perspective into it. You know, it's like, wait, this is the first non-binary character and it's, came out 2015 what, what's 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 happening here coded uh coded characters but for sure in- but not outwardly and like the, the parents talk about it and the parents are fine with it so i have a question for you what are things that both make you happy in hollywood when they um represent queer like just being queer and what really turns you off like if you can give some examples um, what do you love seeing versus what do you think is just so like stupid, if that makes sense? And that just bothers you. Oh yeah. I would say like, so I am really sick of seeing like the tragic gay trope. So using queer people, using people of the LGBT community, um, as like a sob story like oh they have aids or like oh there's something oh they're in love but then one of them dies like it's always some shit like that where it's like two lesbians and then one of them dies that trope needs to die literally i mean it's kind of on the nose but uh (laughs) no pun intended but truly like if i think about like really good queer media like there's a lot coming out now but specifically the show pose and how when they were creating that the producers the the show writers were like look first of all they hired trans writers which anytime that you're going to be doing a show a movie anything you need to hire writers that are actually experiencing the story so like for pose they hired trans writers and they were so adamant on like, we're going to write a story about joy, about like queer joy, instead of having this, um, instead of having like these tropes of like, oh, here's the people there, isn't their life so sad? Like we've been kind of conditioned to show, like if you think about it in the nineties, like boys don't cry. Like these stories of just like absolute uh, abuse and horrendous death. And I'd like to move away from that, please, and go towards happier stories. And then more than anything, basic ass stories, just movies, music made by queer people. And the focus doesn't necessarily have to be that they're queer or trans or non-binary or part of the LGBT community. It's just, it's from a different perspective. You know what I'm talking about? Like as a filmmaker, like it could be literally a story about someone who works at a grocery store, but like if it's written from a queer perspective, if it's shot by a queer director, there's going to be a completely different eye to the experience. And so, yeah. Promoting yeah. that, promoting more diversity within. Yeah, and I, and I know I brought up Shit's Creek, but it, like I said, Dan Levy's writing most of it, producing it, directing it. You know, people want to always throw in nepotism. Oh, he he wouldn't be you know there without his dad. No, he's very much more talented. Like he's very much as talented as his father, and it, and and you have to yeah, and you have to be. Um, you know, it's and you kind of hear like, what's his name? Like Jim Parsons of Big Bang Theory. He's like, I don't think I'll ever play a straight character again. And it's like, kudos, man. You know, I'm like, it's yeah, 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 yeah. That too, yeah, that too. I, you know, he spent twelve years like doing network television, so maybe that was it. But you know, you know, a lot of a lot of actors who are coming out who are gay, they're like, yeah, I'd rather 
just kind of stick in my stick to stories I want to I want to tell, you know, because I, you know, some if someone is into their 30s and 40s and they haven't come out and they feel like they're quote unquote living a lie, they could say that's how it is with acting as as someone else, you know. I've had people ask me all the time, like, oh, Chris, would you, you know, ever, ever play a gay character or this, this and that? And it's like, well, I don't want to take a role away from, from anybody, you know, like, I think it's, 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 yeah. But if, if I were to, I wouldn't, you know, I would want to make sure it's not like mocking it, making fun of it. You know, I, I. Been definitely really respectful portrayals, like. Keanu Reeves and um, River Phoenix and like my own private Idaho comes to mind. I watched that for the first time over the pandemic, not knowing really what it was about. Cause I was just kind of on a river Phoenix kick. I was like, I, I needed, to, I, everyone said he was the next James Dean. And like my buddy and I said like, you know, he would have been like, like him, my my buddy and I, we, we were like, he probably would have been like, like same with like Heath Ledger, like where would have these two like really great crafts and artists be, you know? So sad. And did you know they lived in Gainesville? Yeah. Well, I found out about that. That they were born there. His music. I didn't know he did music. He was a musician more than anything. He wanted to be a musician. You should listen to it. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, I don't I, I'm still I still listen to a lot of I, I I keep going back to my mom. I'm like, I'm still listening to the music. Like, did you play this a lot when we were kids? Because I just can't not listen to it. And she's like, yes. That too. Where I'm just like, ah, some sign. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I like remember I was like going to kindergarten in my mom's car and that song played every day for like four years. I've been trying really hard to write because I just haven't been able to write a lot lately. And then like I put on Third Eye Blind's like self like self-titled album and I'm like, mom, you front to back this shit was yeah i was like yeah i was like i bumped this in my car if someone sees me they're gonna laugh at me and tell me to go back to 96 and she's like well that shit was good you know what i'm saying so but it's interesting nice <laughs> nice yeah um so yeah no that's that's a good example about my own private idaho my very own private idaho and that movie was really really something to behold and to watch you know so um kind of going back you know i didn't want to veer too off i apologize but like for you how, you know how were you or how how have you been treated differently um than others who in the music industry specifically who aren't queer yeah you know like because for- anyone from the lgbt community for a long time it's felt like a niche market in music um and like the same goes for queer films like we were talking about like it was when uh what's that one film oh my i can't believe i can't remember the name broke back mountain when broke back yeah. mountain came out and it had like large distribution it blew everyone like everyone was insane about it so like for a long time queer music was considered like this taboo subject that was artsy but it was hard to be mainstream and to be openly queer yeah. and I remember like certain artists obviously being queer, but so many are in the closet. So many intentionally change the pronouns in their songs to fit a heterosexual narrative. Speaking of people like Lil Nas X, who's I bring him up because he's like the biggest artist that I can think of. And I'm I'm right now. Yeah, no, I love him. So, yeah, originally in a lot of his songs, you know, he was he was singing about women and he did that to basically satisfy and appease the studio and now he's doing his own thing and it is so much better it's amazing that's funny and same with like uh frank ocean like i know frank ocean is is bisexual so like everyone's like his song forrest gump what uh, like why is he singing to force i was like um guys He's singing from the perspective of Jenny. Oh, oh, okay. It's like because he's singing from a perspective, it makes sense now. But if it was Frank singing to another man that way, but like Bad Bad Religion, his song Bad Religion, he he talks about falling in love with a man, and everyone's like, "Wait, what? What? You know?" Like it, it's. But I think if you're just you're you're a Frank Ocean and you're that big, you know. I don't I, I don't know I don't think his career got affected by it 
or do you, maybe you might know more than me from the outside of not knowing music. It didn't really seem like that. Out and, um, I mean, he made like a Tumblr post or something. I remember yeah, when that yeah. happened. And I. yeah, especially being, you know, in the hip hop community, being in the R&B community, that is its own very complicated subset of so, the music yeah. genre that, yeah, has a hard time with homosexual artists. And I think more than anything, I, I think the struggles that I've had is like people not taking you seriously, like people, cause like, we're like, Hey, I, like, for example, me being in the band tomboy, which uh, was a queer band based out of Jacksonville. And we labeled ourselves a queer band and people are like, why are you doing that? Like your, your music isn't like, how is your guitar gay? And we were like, you don't understand. Like it's, it's important. So like, it's important to represent your identity and it's important to own how you identify because if you don't, others are going to do it for you. So when you're a queer person, a person of color, your identity is inherently political. So I think coming out and saying this is who we are and taking ownership of that in like driving the conversation instead of having people label you or put you in a box, like, being able to say that now is really powerful. And I feel like for a long time, saying that put you at a disadvantage. And now people don't care. Like there's so much more access in terms of streaming, in terms of just putting your music out on the internet. You don't have to rely on record labels anymore. So you can completely own who you are and you don't have to suck up to some large label that's only creating cookie cutter musicians. Now I feel you can like be like looking for artists. With and artists. now, yeah. And so now the conversation has changed yeah. and it's a lot more uh, diverse. Could, could always be more diverse, but yeah. it's, I feel like things are constantly arching upwards. Um, not so much in terms of the Supreme Court, but definitely in terms of music and arts. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to bring up that, like, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me. The first band I saw you in was Rice. Then all that was all men in the band. Then Summer. Shit. Okay. Then I'm wrong there. Yeah. Summer was awesome. And then I know Summer was with Four Families which I, I, I loved, I loved listening to their music. And then you were in a band with Daryl Green. I don't, I don't know what band that was called. You were universal green. It was like an eight person band. I felt like hip hop band, which was, which was that. And you were the only girl in that band, right? Or am I now, am I striking out here again? Listen, homie. Um, so I would say Mama. Was she in that? Okay, cool. All right. And uh, what else? Yeah, Mama Blue was. was. Okay. So I swear to God, I, I did have a point to this. I was. Yeah, there was a lot of people. I was saying that you went from those two bands to then Tomboy. And it was you, Summer, and Alex. And like. I saw you guys live. I saw you cover Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah, and I lost my shit. I heard you guys. I have it on my playlist, My Boo. You did the My Boo with featuring Boyfriend. Like, I loved your guys' sound. Like, it was so much different than things I heard you be a part of in the past. You know, Rice was more, to me, it was very indie, very, very indie. You, Universal Green, like you were... It was like you see that a lot now, like Anderson Pack, like hip hops and drums, or maybe you've always seen it. You know, like it, it, it had a, it reminded me a little of a little of an outcast and the roots. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that. And then you have Tomboy, where me personally, I never heard anything like that before. You know, because it's we live in a we live in a world where it's always comparisons, right? Like this movie is compared to this. This band's compared to this. This you this, yo. You could tell the influence from it. I you know you could sit here and tell me what maybe some of your influences were, but I like on the surface hearing you guys live, hearing you guys on Spotify, 
I can't I can't definitively say Tom Boy sounds like anybody else, right? And then that's and then that's a really and that's a powerful move. Yeah. I mean, as a band, we were we're really coming into our own as people owning our identity. Like I mm-hmm. said before, it was very much a band focused on the LGBT community and the experience of all of us. Because it was everyone was queer in the band, from my understanding, and yeah. Yes, and I think you can see like in that, yeah, like the music was so good. I mean, it felt really good to be yourself. Would you say that was the most like you felt like create like peak creativity and ever, or like have you achieved? Have you done other stuff where you're like not peak? I hate saying peak because there's always when you say peak, there's a you're coming down kind of. Thing. I'm gonna go ahead and spill the tea and say okay. no, that was cool. not peak creativity, which is funny. I mean, it probably was to a certain extent with Tomboy. Like, uh, so Tomboy was a three person band. It was myself played guitar um summer played drums and then alex sang and did production beats and like played guitar and each of us kind of did our own uh business side of the band i would say that was the first band where we all literally treated it as a business we signed up for an llc we were working with colleges and we were getting paid as a vendor we were doing taxes it kind of killed the fun if anyone else is out there don't wait to do an llc if i can give anyone any advice wait to do an wait on the llc don't do it yet unless someone's trying to sue you i guess and then do it because that protects you but uh no it was it was the most business-minded and i want to say focused band um creatively i've been there was this offshoot of rice called wave functions yeah okay all right and that i swear to god that was my favorite band i've ever been in in my life and we (laughs) we that it lasted i don't know it was a good group of people and it was really it was really crazy psychedelic rock. So I was playing really fun stuff and I was almost like shred. Like I was playing really intense guitar that is not, I guess as you you get older as a musician or like for me, I'm learning that less is more. You know, you want to give space. You want to have negative space. You want to let the music breathe. But back in the day, I was just going so hard playing like every note I could possibly play. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. So yes, wave functions. I doubt anyone could find any information on that band. So it will remain a secret. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that band. So maybe, yeah, like I'm saying, I, I'm not saying I was like heavily involved in like what you guys are doing, but even like, you know, Keegan be like, hey, Paige is playing tonight. You want to go see her? Fuck yeah, let's go, you know, but... It would always be with like Universal Green, yeah. But it was fun. It was so much fun. That underbelly, you guys were just no. At where down? T- oh. That was probably my favorite venue to go watch. I don't know why. I just felt like it. It's like the stage was. Maybe I'm just didn't realize it because every time I was there, I was blasted. But like the stage was higher. And it was a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so what, what were some, you know, what are some struggles, you know, of being a queer artist? And it, I don't know if you want to talk about today or, you know, in 2022 or what you have, you know, you said you've been doing art for 20 years. So you're, you're 12. You came out when you're 15. Like where was the, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So what's a professional struggle for sure. There were, and there still are a lot of struggles. I mean, uh, exposure, like we were talking about, not being taken seriously because you're not appealing to the large mass of the audience, whatever that means in terms of fucking, you know, 
studios. Mm -hmm. um, touring, I think, is probably a very – if there's one thing that, like, people can take away from this conversation, it's that touring as a queer artist, like, it, it can be dangerous just straight up. Like, uh, depending on where you are, depending on – I mean, I have been chased um, by – I can tell, I don't want to tell a crazy story because we're like being serious, but basically like I one mean, time Tomboy was in Utah, Provo or Salt Lake. I don't remember. And we were playing at a gay bar. We were playing, oh, we were a gay band playing at a gay bar. And um, this dude was like taking shots with me and like buying me shots. And he, I thought he was gay because we're again, we're at a gay bar. Yeah. And um, and then at the end of the night, he was not gay. And he was like, hey, I want to like get your number. I want to like hang out with you. And I was like, oh no, I'm in a gay band called Tomboy. We're up playing at a gay bar. Like, what are you doing here? And uh I was just like, no, sorry, buddy. Like, no. And I was loading the van out um like in an alleyway after the show like by, by myself yourself. and he came out there and i was like oh shit and i like jumped in the van and i locked the doors and he started like trying to open the van and like get me out of the van it was insane and then alex and summer had to like i was like texting them i was like on the floor of the van like this dude is trying to break in like please help me and like Summer and Alex had to come out and like escort him out. The dude eventually got kicked out and then fucking um, we're like finally done with the show. It's like two or three in the morning and we're getting paid and someone calls the bar and the bartender's like, is there a page here? And I'm like, I swear to fucking God. If the and he's like, it's this dude, Michael. I'm like, oh my God, like what the, f like this dude was kicked out of the bar. It was insane. That's so nuts. that like you always run into issues in certain places like obviously we're from the south i would say if you're touring as like a queer musician it's really important to have a support system and to reach out to people in like tomboy had to do this for sure like we had to make sure that we knew who we were booking through and we had to know the people that we were like, we had to know the bar that we were playing at. Cause if so we were playing at like that? a neo Nazi bar in Salt Lake, then like, uh, we're about to sing a bunch of songs about being gay to like neo Nazis. Like, I would say reach out to, for any queer musicians that are listening to this, like, reach out to, um, if there's a girls' rock chapter in that town, uh, girls' rock. Uh, is a wonderful nationwide organization that focuses on teaching uh, girls, gender non-conforming youth um, instruments and how to be in a band. It's also very social justice focused. It's a wonderful group and um, looking for DIY organizations, you know, uh, getting on, honestly, Facebook can sometimes be helpful. Facebook groups, um, going on Instagram, just look for other queer people in the area, other queer artists, reach out to them and then be like, hey, what are the venues that are like queer friendly? Um, Autostraddle.com. I don't even know if they're still doing them, but they would have like queer city guides for like every city in the US. And this is very US based. I can't speak on an international level. I can only really yeah. talk about the US and where I've toured. Um, but yeah, auto straddle, we used to check auto straddles, queer city guides to like find, uh, gay community, queer community. Um, and, uh, yeah, reaching out to people directly, having that support system and not just reaching out blindly, which again is a struggle. It's a privilege to be able to be like, to be a band and be like, we're just going to play a random bar in a city. It's different to be like a queer person and be like, I can't play there because like someone might literally assault me. So like you definitely have to be mindful um, and kind of.
protect yourself in that way just just during traveling because you know you never know uh where you're going and and kind of what the scene is like there so i would say touring presents certain struggles but i see that's uh, things that i didn't even think about yeah i mean i've had i've i've had the opposite of that where we've gone to like places like i don't, can't even think like fort pierce florida or something fort worth that's in texas um we went somewhere in florida and we played a show to four queer people and they were like the only queer people in that entire town and they were like thank you so much for coming there it's just us like we just wow. we just wanted to see other gay people and we were like yeah hell yeah so like yeah it's it's really great to find a community and find uh your people you know your 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 fans that are going to really identify with what you're singing what you're playing about whatever it is that you're doing because at the end of the day like as a musician it's about you and it's about your creation but it's also about how that creation interacts with the audience and like you don't want to play to a bunch of people that fucking disrespect you you don't want that you want to play to people who are gonna like resonate with the experience yeah it's actually kind of um it's interesting that you like with that specifically you you know <clears throat> with touring at least you're you know you're you've pra you know rehearsed practiced your art craft and for months and you know it's it's a very vulnerable thing um because you're going out you know in front of a in a different city every night every other night different crowds and all that and you're kind of just being vulnerable every night that takes a lot out of you in my opinion you know so like for people to flat out say like we love you or we don't love you like that's tough to take as well um as far as like when film goes is like yeah, you spend a lot of time getting it playing it showing it to an audience and you hope that the audience that you're showing it to, most of them are there to like watch your project, whether it's like just like you screening it yourself or a film festival. So it's a little bit different, you know, because the vulnerability like happens like when the final project is done. But like the in music, the vulnerability is like from like the moment you put that pen to paper, right? So, and then and like I said, you don't even think about issues that may happen with a queer artist or queer band like touring across the country because you have for me oh you know because it's probably more you know heavily liberal in new jersey that doesn't mean it's that way in wyoming in texas in maryland and pennsylvania like no you have to be very careful it depends it totally depends and and not to say that yeah that any place is worse or you know more dangerous than the other in terms of being like uh -huh. a queer musician but it is important to find uh those pockets of community and they're always there and they're always hungry for some wonderful musical representation so on the flip side of that um why is being a queer artist you know that that label or your queer band let's say why why is it important to represent that and that might be an obvious question but i would love to hear your answer on that oh yeah well i mean like i said earlier like it's important to own how you identify because at the end of the day people are going to ascribe uh that identity for you like if you don't own who you are others are going to do it for you so when you're a queer person your identity is political and other people are going to impose those policies and those beliefs on you. Mm -hmm. So taking ownership of that, I think, is driving the conversation instead of having other people lead. Okay. That, yeah, that, that's... Like, that. it's just how it is. Like, I... Because I am a non-binary person because I'm part of the LGBT community. Like it's people are going to have certain opinions, like you said earlier, certain stereotypes. And it's important to 
come out and own who you are, like we were talking about imposter syndrome, um, really be confident in who you are and other people will appreciate that. And hopefully they'll be confident in who they are too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough and we can talk about it in our next episode that we do, but like being a confident person in general to be an artist is tough. And then you have to be confident in your own skin and you're by, by, by society deems you different as I throw up air quotes when necessarily no one is different. Yeah. <laughs> um, to navigate through that must have been so ter- like terrifying as a kid, you know, but I feel like, and I don't know if you're feeling this way. Cause like I said, you know, we're, we're in our thirties, never thought we'd get there or I can't speak of you for me. It's kind of like, I'm in my thirties. All right, let's go. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm more like kind of comfortable with who I am and like what I feel and how I feel more than anything. Like I don't, you know, I'm, um, I'm very, I'm an advocate of telling people I go to therapy. Um, I'm I'm very vocal about that. I, you know, I am not afraid to necessarily cry in front of my wife. Um, there are sometimes in front of my friends when like I'm just I'm just straight up not having a good time, bro. <laughs> that meme, <laughs> you know, like when I'm just not like when shit's not going well. Like I don't. I used to be very like, oh, should I do that? Should I do you know? But you kind of got to express who you are, so then people will be like, all right, this is Chris, like inside and out, you know. Um, before we wrap up this episode, is um, there any words of encouragement um, or any advice you'd love to give to young artists who identify as queer, who have, you know, if, if they're listening, hopefully, and whether they have come out or not, I would love for you to kind of give a, words of encouragement or any advice that you that helped you along your path so far. Totally. Um, I would just say continue to pursue your passion in spite of pushback. Uh, There's always gonna be people who doubt your ability and make you doubt yourself, but believe in what you're doing. Even now, I have to remind myself that what I'm doing is important. And um, the, the most important thing is that it's important to you. I mean, everyone, like, yes, I'm a musician. Yes, I've toured for 10, 20 years, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, like everyone's a musician, everyone's a creative, everyone has the capacity to create in some form. And creation doesn't have to be for like monetary gain. It doesn't have to be for any other reason other than creating. So, and it feels good. So I definitely would say to just continue to pursue what you're doing and continue creating yeah nice i love that um Paige, thank you for coming on and, and talking and catching up um it was a really good time chatting with you i'm really excited for our next episode um but yeah thank you very much for being on here telling stories being vulnerable about a topic that is a, that meant a lot to you for sure thank you for having me no problem and guys i hope you are continuing to enjoy the podcast um This is Where Is My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. Until next time. Once again, this is Where Is My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. I'm host and producer of the podcast, Christopher Arangio. All episodes will be available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and Amazon Music. Once again, this is Chris Arangio, and thank you for supporting.